With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is the Happy Hour Network. Pay attention, son. This is for your own good. Hi, this is Jordan Boscarini, host of Drive Time Sports on KOALAM750 in Utah. And you are listening to the Earnestly Speaking Podcast. Earnestly Speaking Podcast is a show that is founded on free-flowing conversation and may at times venture into mature subjects. Listener discretion is advised. Yeah! Earnestly Speaking Podcast! Let's get it! I'm a giant in New York, in Miami carry heat So much more in store, my product can flood the street Opinionation Godfather, CEO Puff in the late 90s, gonna see me blow Got my hustle on, no imitation of that Army of untouchables, opinionation staff Never an off-season, homie, check the numbers Heart driving my own right, supply and southern comfort Earnestly speaking, my ego is well fed Earnestly speaking, you're too evil and no threat See I'm like a hurricane, you're a mild breeze Earnestly speaking, leaving Eli a dynasty Shake! Welcome to this the Ernest Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Ernest E.J. Christian. On the line with me, first off, it's a gorgeous, 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 gorgeous uh, Wednesday afternoon here in South Florida. On the line with me, of course, been a long time, man. Uh, one of our contributors here at the Ernest Speaking <laughs> Podcast. Um, good friend, one of the, one of the originals, the originals of this uh, of the show. My man Zach, we call him. We're gonna we're gonna call him now. His new tagline: Zach the Know It All. Zachary, what's up, baby? Not much, man. Long time. Miss it. I know, man. You miss you too, brother. Um, before we get to you know some of these things we're gonna talk about, um, you just, you just saw Mad Max. How'd you like it? Oh man, the, the graphics were unbelievable for the explosions. Mm-hmm. And I love the fact that they didn't try and carry the same storyline from like forty years ago and just. We just redo the movie with new actors. They changed up the storyline, and it, it was so good. I thought. Yeah, I, I, it was funny. Like I, when I first saw the previews of the movie, I really didn't think I didn't think it do well. I, I thought like, ah, well, whatever. It's, it's one of those movies that one another, another throwback rehash. But everybody I've yeah, heard yeah, seen the movie that I've heard I've heard nothing but positive reviews of this movie. Yeah, and for me, I don't mind seeing a remake of a movie if it's been 30 years. Now, watching, because I sat through the previews, seeing the remake of Fantastic Four that came out, like, five years ago? Yeah. Come on now. Could you do something creative? <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know, man. It's like, I haven't been to movies in a while. For me to go to a movie, yeah. it has to be something I'm really, really dying to see. Like, Entourage next week comes out. That's a woman going to the theaters to see, but most of the movies that I've that's come out in the last like five years, I really have no no stomach to go pay you know fifteen dollars a ticket plus food you know and whatnot and find a babysitter oh, yeah. for the for the kid. So it for me oh, yeah. anyway, it just almost I, doesn't I, even I feel totally worth did. it now. Oh, I call I call it a date night when I when I go to the movies just by myself. It's outrageous how much you spend. Yeah, it's a, just so, to see a movie. Like I probably go to like one. Uh, no, I'm, I'm dead serious. I probably go to one movie every two years in theaters. Seriously. Oh, I feel like I feel like TV shows now are the new movies for us. Like, t- like we we actually afford more TV shows now than we do actual movies. I think we're we're at that point now. Yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, you're getting a lot better actors going into the TV shows and the the series. Yeah. So we need to like. I don't think either one of us will 
wait more than a day or two when the next House of Cards comes out. Yeah. Not, I, we're, we're talking a major movie actor and Kevin Spacey now doing the show. Right. I, I did I did start that show, actually, Um, first couple episodes. I do like it a lot. Um, But I felt like when I started, it was kind of like a bad timing because like I was so much going on. You know, that show is the kind of show you really have to watch with no distractions. You need to really clear your head and really be dived into it. Oh, yeah. yeah. You can't be playing on your phone trying to watch it at the same time. No, no. And I, ha- I have a habit of doing that some of the shows that are very very easy to watch. Um, but House of Cards definitely, you know, deserves my my uh, full-blown attention. Um, anyway, uh, uh, same back time, different team. LeBron's back in the finals for the fifth straight year, man. It's crazy. He's great. You cannot, you cannot ask for a guy getting a, a better, better position in his career than what he's had. The fact he got, he came up in his hometown. The fact that the Eastern Conference, his entire career, has been a joke. Beyond two or three teams every year, no teams in the East have any competitive chance at a title. So he's been bluffed. His entire career, almost having a shot at the finals every year. Right. Think about it too. Like I, in the twelve years he's been in the league, I'll, I mean, obviously he raced the four years of Miami because he was part of those teams. Um, maybe oh, yeah. Heat no six. You know, it took a Heat no six with with Shaq and Wade, of course, Wade and his, his people's powers. You know, it took a, a stacked Boston team. You know, with with the big three and Rondo and all that for yeah. LeBron to be in his career. Yeah, and and Detroit early on. Oh, that was it. Yeah. Other, so, other than a couple of stacked Boston teams, really, and one year where Orlando was hot. Because yeah. after that, Boston was aging. Chicago has been injury-prone injury every year that they've been meaningful in the playoffs. So mm-hmm. do you think he would have ever done this playing in the Western Conference? No. I don't think so. I think he'll. I think maybe have half of the success there. But then again, it's strange because, like, you know, as good as those teams are in the West, who's not to say that as good as he is, he makes those guys even better depending on depending on the team he goes to. Uh, yeah, I mean that is the balancing act because he he does make players better, but it just seems that the East goes five six deep with. Teams that could truly compete for a title of the year, right, right. Um, and it's not like different teams. Primarily, it's the same. You have three or four, and then you have a couple newcomers that are growing up together. Yeah, I mean, when we make this comparison about LeBron and could he do this in the in the in the West, what what we're saying, a lot of people are saying, is like if you place the team he's currently on and it's put them in fit them in the puzzle in the West. Um, Basically, taking the Heat team he had in four years and just place them in the West, or the Cavs team and place them in the West. But let's say LeBron goes to a team like San Antonio with already what they have now. Just add LeBron to the, to the equation. There's no telling. I mean, maybe he does still win, if not more titles. Out in the I West. don't know. I don't know. He wouldn't work in San Antonio. I don't you believe don't think so? he would. But, but, but no, just by the fact. I mean, over the course of this year, and I think you saw it even in the last couple of years in Miami, where. The decision making had to go through him, on the court and off the court, practically. Right. And I don't think that that's conducive in like the San Antonio environment, where it's a team first. Every every guy stands up for every guy on the team. Mm-hmm. I don't know if he would fit that. He's a team player, yes, but he's still the guy who wants to be the man, and sometimes. He gets caught holding the ball for too long, trying to make the right decision. And I don't know in an offense that's geared the way ball movement is in San Antonio. He he would fit. Right. I I might be the minority in so, this. Um. But on Memphis, he would be crazy good. Right. Right. You oh yeah. Put him there. Oh, you put him in OKC. Mm-hmm. Or Dallas. Dallas would have been the key spot. You know, a power forward by Derek with a rim protector and a point guard. That that would be an insane team as well, but... Right. I don't I'm, know if he could do five straight. 
Right. I might be I might be the minority in this though, in this topic. But am I the only one in the world that really gets bored about these MJ LeBron comparisons? I, I to me it's just boring. It's it's, it's so easy and boring. I just see them as two completely different guys. I, exactly. I, I'm exactly. I mean, Michael was a scorer. That's what he did. He, he was a late-game takeover machine. That is how he built his legacy, but they're two different guys. One makes the entire team better, but one is the driving force behind his team. Right. That's actually a good That's actually the best... Uh, way to describe those two players, Michael Jordan and LeBron James. That, that, that's I've never heard anybody say it the way you just said it there. That's actually perfect. Yeah, because, I mean, when you look at Michael and the way he practiced, the way he trained, he got guys to follow him by his hard work. And that was it. Not by his personality or how he, how he played with his teammates on the court. It was because of his driven focus. Whereas you look at LeBron, his greatest attributes are his IQ and his ability to be a team player. Right. I, I think it's safe to say that. And, and uh, I know I know the easy thing for me for years is always saying, well, he's he's more matches than Michael, but I think he's just LeBron. I mean, oh, yeah. why, he, why, why can't well, we just, this idea of, of people, why can't people just appreciate what we have now instead of trying to compare it to the past? I mean, yeah, I know we did Jordan years and all this stuff and, you know, we want you know we want people to to compare. I I know it's like the biggest like social media thing now, where for you to feel better about how you feel about a player, you have to compare it to somebody else. Why can't people just appreciate what we have as an original? LeBron James is an original. He really is. Oh yeah, he he, he absolutely is an original. Yeah, yeah. You'd almost want to say he was a he's the new blend from Magic. And maybe an old Oscar, and then with a little mix in of like a Barkley or something. Right. Someone who's who was small who could play down low, but could rebound, pass like nobody else in the league, or with everybody else in the league. So. Right. Um. And it's funny because like you know. It's like I use that analogy with, with like certain even artists and music. You know, you, everybody's is everybody's always going to be influenced by somebody, but. It's how you blend it all together and make it your own. And LeBron James is at the point now where he's made it his own. You know, LeBron James is the first LeBron James. And to me, to oh me, to, to even compare Michael Jordan to, to him and stuff, it's, it's an insult to both guys. Because it's like, you know, Jordan was an original, you know? So why can't LeBron... I mean, LeBron oh. is just a, a completely new player I've never seen. And, and, I, and I can say that because I'm, you know, I, 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 you and I both lived through the Jordan era. We, we, we can both say that. Well, yeah, absolutely. And then you can look at it this way. While LeBron would be playing in a different league, different league and generation, if he put him and Michael there, you put Michael and LeBron there with the way defenses are geared and game plans are geared, his shooting percentage, he would be looked at more like Russell Westbrook mm-hmm. than, than he is the way, way he's looked at from the past. That's how, how, I, how I view it. Because Michael never could shoot, but he could drive to the hoop. And he could post you up for a guard. Right. What's your uh, takeaway from the series against Atlanta? I mean, I, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to be a guy to sit and sit there and say Atlanta was frauds because they were banged up. They were heavily banged up, actually. Think about it. I, I, thought, I thought coming to the playoffs, the, the, the Tabo Cephalosha, uh, you know, police brutality thing, we're going to call it, was a bigger deal people gave it credit for. I thought they could have gotten to the common fans without him, but, you know, with LeBron, you need all six fouls per player and all that. Um, I, You know, obviously, oh, no. Carroll gets hurt in, in Kyle Corbin. I, I, I'm not saying that it, they would have won the series, though, but it would have been a lot more competitive with, with, with a fully healthy Hawks squad. Oh, it, just having Seth Alocious in the lineup, I think this series would have been completely different. They look so thin. In all honesty... I think everyone knows Atlanta would not have made it to the finals this year if John Wall wouldn't have broken his hand. Yeah. Uh, and all, I think everyone saw, the, saw those games and saw how evenly they were played and had Wall been healthy, they wouldn't have had a chance to even play, play LeBron. And, you know what's and sad, Cleveland. man? You know what's sad, though, is that, like, you know, 
as great as LeBron is, though, I think this, especially doing what he did this year with this team, with, with a bunch of misfits, not having Kevin Love, Kyrie Irving hurt from you know most of the series and actually most of the playoffs. We're now hearing. Um, it's funny, like this is actually a, a a detriment on the Eastern Conference. This is actually just a death nail on how just, just how bad is is this year? Like the East has always been better. The West, yeah. the West has always been better in the East for years. Like you, you go back to the Jordan era back in the early nineties. The West has always been a top well, better conference. But I think this year was the first year really that it really hit me. Like, dude, this conference is really bad. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I made that comment about what he has been able to do in the Western Conference. Because this has to go down as the easiest trip to the finals I can ever remember for a star player. Mm-hmm. His teammates are just falling by the wayside with injuries or the occasional suspension. And there's not really a speed bump to deter him mm-hmm. until he gets to the finals. It, it was just... It was an embarrassment for the NBA how bad the East is. Are you? And I think it's gonna. I think it's gonna force the hand of the commissioner to change the way in which. Just, a, just, just, just to ask you that. Are, are you a fan? Because I look. I'm not. I'm against it. I'm still against against the idea of realignment. But I think there are things you can do institutionally within the league that you can to fix that problem. You know, um, I, I don't know. I don't know what it is, but I know there's things you can do to influence it. You don't. Know, Maybe cancel. Maybe stopping the draft well, lottery. Maybe. I think that the unless you're willing to receive playoffs and just make a top sixteen or every division winner and then the best, the best of the rest, you would have to like file a motion to break up teams in the Western Conference or something. There's just no hope for the East. I just don't believe there is. And what's so weird about it too, though? And what's so weird though is that. The East are getting all the lottery picks, okay? So you're getting all the, the young talent coming from college. Um, the bigger markets are in the East, you know, Philly, New York, Boston, you know, the, 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 the Chicago, all the big markets are in the East. So you think that the, the, the distinct advantage will actually rise to the East because they have the, the, the pocketbooks and stuff. But it's I, I, I think there's an institutional problem somewhere. I don't know where to put my finger on it, though. I mean, draft lottery could be a problem. Maybe just... Uh, Penalizing teams for tanking. I, I I don't know what it is exactly. I can't put my finger on it, but something yeah. has to be done. With, with 20 years of this happening for the conference, practically, you almost have to look at, you see the same GMs and the same coaches get rehired at the same at, at different spots. And if they, they failed in one or they failed in two spots and they're still denied for a third, I, I think that's an issue with the Eastern Conference, you know. They'd love to recycle GMs and coaches. And the fact everyone wants to dress on promise now and potential versus what what they actually can do as soon as they come into the league. I, I think those are the two biggest drawbacks to the Eastern Conference. How about this one? Um, and I don't think this is talked about enough. This is not really a big deal, but geographically speaking, you know, you have teams like Memphis and New Orleans who are really located on more to east and west. If they're in the east, that balances out a little bit. But the thing is, though, there are more teams east and west. I I, I haven't done the actual count yet, but if you're to think about this, I, yeah. I, I would assume that there's more teams out east than the west, which is why they balance out like that. But if you put like Memphis and New Orleans in, into the India in the Eastern Conference, that might balance out a little bit geographically speaking, of course. Um, Oh, yeah. I mean, both of those teams would, would automatically become a top-five seed in the playoffs. Right. I don't know. There's something to I mean, be done. Go ahead. I don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what you if you could do that because, yeah, there, there, are, there are a bunch of teams on the East Coast, it seems like. I will say this, though, um, um, to just to get the stop quickly. I will say this, though. In, in defense of the East, quickly. It's a small defense. If Miami and Indiana don't have decimated injuries all year long, they're, they're, you know you, you don't see Boston and Brooklyn in the playoffs, um, and maybe you have a competitive, more competitive of postseason. Indiana had Paul George for most obviously all year last year to last like what two weeks, um, and of course Miami's injuries with Chris Bosh and all those guys. You know, if you have like those teams, you know, at, at full strength and full health, mm-hmm. that that might bring it, the East may not be as bad as it was this year. Um, It'll still be bad, but it still be won't be as nearly as 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 troubled 
as as it was. There's no telling if, if that happens if, if Atlanta's as good as they are this year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, Atlanta was good, but Milwaukee was expected to have some potential. Uh, predictions on Detroit. Everybody was starting to tail them as a playoff team. Yeah, and they fell apart. So, I don't know. I, I, my suggestion is the winners of the divisions and then the next best well, mm-hmm. 10 teams. And I think that's what you got to do. Right. If, if you want want if you want the playoffs to be better and more competitive, are you for realignment? No, I'm. I'm not for it. I I I'm not for realignment, so to speak. I'm just more into the same thing I would do with football: division winners and then everyone else. Whoever's the best, but. We've seen crappy teams make it to the playoffs in football that were division winners. So I don't know if that'll completely cure the problem in basketball, but it does seem there's at least one dominant team in each division to the conference. Hmm, interesting. 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 I, 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 I have to ask you this. After watching this year's playoffs, has your top five, top ten players in the league changed? Um, a little bit. Um, I I will I will admit I might have had uh, Kevin Love considered there, Carmelo in that conversation they are going into the year anyway, just individually. But seeing what we saw this yeah, year, was, seeing what we saw this year with, with 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 Steph Curry and and Davis taking even bigger strides this year. I mean, you have to be, you have to. It's time to rearrange it. You know, I, I was still put LeBron on one. Oh, obviously, yeah. LeBron's still the best player in the league. Um, uh, I, I I still have current I still have current Durant there number two. Um, and on on this is not uh, look two through five is not really in order. To be honest, with you. number one is definitely number one. Two through five is still is, yeah. is definitely in jumbled. Um, I'll put Durant number in in that mix there. I had Westbrook in that in that mix still. I I still I'm I'm a little bit, you know, for as great as he was this year individually, I just think that he was good. He was great. He his stats suffered the whole nine. But he also hurt his team a lot, you know, in some of these games too, late in the year. So I, I yeah, yeah, I'll uh, I'll put I'll put him there. Obviously, Anthony Davis is making strides. Uh, you got to put Steph Curry in there now with MVP, especially now. Um, oh, absolutely. And number, I mean, fifth guy. I, I had Durant. Yeah, I, I'll go to Westbrook. Top five still. I just think he needs okay, to yeah. work on being yeah, a better team yeah. player. But yeah. For me, for me I'm, I. I LeBron is still the best player, but watching these playoffs compared to some of the other guys, he he does when he tries to be the point guard, he turns the ball over mm-hmm. quite a bit. I mean, when you're averaging four, five, and six turnovers a game, I think this year during the regular season he averaged four turnovers. Yeah, at one point in the playoffs he was averaging almost six turnovers a game. And I understand he's got the assist and he rebounds, and that has a huge impact, but you got to dock him a little bit on the turnovers because he's forcing himself so much. But he's still number one. I am so torn about Curry and Westbrook, two and three. But honestly, watching Durant, he's becoming a bit frail. Well, I I, I think next year's huge. I would not think about putting Rose in the top five. And Durant doesn't play defense. So, I look at those being his two knocks where you can't stay healthy and you do nothing but score. You, you, you're six eleven. I think Russell Westbrook got rebounding. Right. Um, you're not a proficient passer. And then I would, I would look at Harden and Davis to round it out, five and six. You got Harden there now? I, see, Harden's... See, what, what I do when I do these top five stuff, I have to use a sample size. It's got to be at least a two, three-year sample size. So, in the case of Curry, we kind of saw this coming the last two, three years. We kind of saw this coming. This is why it, it was culminated you, by the MVP. You've seen this from Harden. For, he has been 
an all-star for three years. Oh, no, no doubt. As as as, at all. As I love Harden. They, got, they sent him to the Rockets. It was the worst trade in basketball. Everyone has standed. He shocked me. I was a guy that I didn't remember. I remember the day he got traded. I, te- I remember texting you the day he got traded to Houston. And I said, "Well, you know what? Harden might be to, to me. Harden might, might be a Carmelo, a guy that's going to score a lot of points, but I don't see making seem better. And then every year Houston got better. And this year, especially, you know. And I, I'm not, look. I'm and I, I've said this many times on there. I am not a Harden guy at all. But what he did this year with that yeah, team, it, considering the, the circumstances, you got to get that guy. He probably should be MVP, to be honest with you. I won't go that far because, again, he's a ball-dominant guard. Right, I'm not being those either. He doesn't have enough assists. He, he just doesn't make enough assists for me. I could understand. I, I, as much as I wanted to see him maybe win it, I understood Curry getting the MVP. Oh, me too. I the guy was scoring 25 a game playing three quarters for, for most of the season because he wouldn't even need to be on the floor on the fourth. Mm-hmm. And he was also averaging eight plus assists in three quarters. So I I, I, I give Curry all the credit in the world. He, and I think that's probably why I lean towards him maybe not be taking over the right. two spots. But as far as Harden, I think he's way beyond Carmelo. But so, I think this Carmelo year doesn't even that... try and drive to the hoop. He picks up his pick, his fouls on picky tags with people trying to put a hand in his face, whereas Harden drives to the hoop, and that can be huge in the game plan some nights. No, you have a point there. Um, one guy you and I were discussing, and, and and it's funny I didn't mention him in my in my five, but he's right there with Westbrook, and he probably should still be top five. I had Chris Paul right there next to them. You, you, you and I got into a little bit of discussion this morning about this when we were, we were putting together these topics today for the show. Um, and you, I mean, you had a very strong hot take on this one. You were saying that Chris, Chris Paul, you know, especially with the way the, the Clippers lost against the, the Rockets in the last series, that you had Chris Paul not barely top fifteen, which I thought was kind of, you know, to be honest with you, yeah, kind I, of I, fair. I, I, I mean, that, that was a dream. I just can't put a guy in the top 10 who has never been to the conference finals. And every time I watch him, all I see is a guy who makes unbelievable passes, but he, he chooses to pass up on wide-open shots from inside of 10 feet around the basket. He loves to drive down the lane and kick the ball out, but... It doesn't do any good when one of the guys on your wing can't hit a shot, and Matt Barnes, and another is J.J. Redick, and he's a streaky guy. So if all you're doing is alley-oops to a guy who has no offense and relying on Blake Griffin, you have to step up to the plate and score when you have wide open shots. But I thought thought he did that this year. I I thought he did that just in game six and seven. You know, well, game seven, really. Oh, um, he's, he's been in the league 10 years, and he's just now doing it. He, he is refused. What I see of him, and I said it, said it to you in the text, is he's a Rajon Rondo. Oh, no, 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 no. I, I wouldn't go that far. Doesn't have the defense, he doesn't have the defense of Rondo, and Rondo doesn't have the scoring ability. Hold on, hold on. The, I, I, I just told you, when you mentioned that whole defense, I, I thought it was kind of, when you mentioned defense, I thought it was kind of crazy because, you know, Chris Paul was named all first team all defense this year. Do you really believe he's a better defensive player, defensive point guard than John Wall or Russell Westbrook? I, I think youth maybe. Well, I think Westbrook's kind of sloppy at times. I, 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 I thought Westbrook last year was very sloppy. I mean, granted, he was doing a lot more for his team, you know, in terms of not having Durant and whatnot, but I thought. Westbrook got sloppy at times. I thought John, John Wall, when he engaged, could be great, but I, I, I think Chris Paul's still a guy that gives us all every play. I don't think Chris, Chris Paul doesn't, doesn't, doesn't take plays off. And, 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 and I know, I'm one, of those, I'm one of those guys that last year and two years ago was saying, no, it was time for us, to, and you and I both agreed on this on, on, on podcasts in the past, that it was time for us to, to judge Chris Paul harsher. But the thing is, I can't put the, the collapse of the Clippers squarely on Chris Paul. I mean, to me personally, that's oh, all Doc Rivers. Larry on his shoulders, but the man's got to take a lot more blame than what he is. That guy, but that's all. Yes, but to I me, that's all Doc Rivers, though. Zach. I put ninety percent of the blame on Doc. No, 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 but to me, that's 
to me, that's 90% Doc Rivers in there. Because... Oh, yeah. Seriously. I mean, and it's maybe time, maybe it's time to have this conversation now. And, you, and you're, you're an Orlando fan, so you had a piece of Doc Rivers before you... Before the the idea of Doc Rivers being top three coach in the league, and and I was I, I always subscribe to the whole Doc Rivers is a, is great um, theory. Um, I'm not saying it's overrated, but maybe it's time to have a discussion. I think it is. I think he got blessed in Boston with guys that were right at their height of their of their time. They might have had a step back in their physical skills. Like anything and everything you could ever learn from the game at a, at the pro level, they had mastered it. I mean, ten plus years in the league for all three of them, they knew what they were doing. So he was on cruise control, and now he's got he's got technically three dominant players at their position. Chris Paul's a top five point guard. Lake Griffin's a top five power forward. And unfortunately, in this day and age, DeAndre Jordan is a top five center now. A guy who can't even step back from three feet away and shoot the ball into the hoop. Right. Is a top five center. Well, by the way, he's is demanding max money on the open market this summer. <laughs> I would let him leave. I would let him leave in a heartbeat. And that's kind of tough, though, because like he, he was huge this year. But the thing is, though, are you... It's always easy to be that guy and be great when you know you're facing a contract, a new contract in, in, in the coming months. You know, will DeAndre, when he gets paid, be engaged like this for the next three, four, five years? That, that, that's the thing. I, yeah. I think people get, get that twisted. Not all players are created like LeBron and, and Chris Paul and locked in all the time, like Westbrook. Not all players are that way. When they get paid, yeah. sometimes they take time off. Take time off. It, it happens. Oh, yeah. You know, but uh, I, I, the, the only way you could keep DeAndre Jordan, I think, out of max deal is if you're planning on letting Chris Paul be a run out or trade him in his last year. Because I don't think any team, will, I don't think the Clippers would be able to financially afford it. Granted, they can with their owner, but well, Doc Rivers once again, Doc Rivers screwed that up too because he he's paying Spencer Hall five million dollars a season to ride the bench. And he also got rid of draft picks to get that guy. I mean, come on. Oh, yeah. Doc, G, GM Doc really screwed this team. And it, and, it, and it really, to be honest with you, uh, Zach, and this is the point I was trying to make, I made throughout the playoffs. It, it, it really manifested itself games five through seven in the Houston series. And this is why. People say, oh, well, he beat San Antonio. Okay, look, here's the advantage the Clippers had going into that series in the first round. Okay? The Clippers have arguably the best starting five, top six roster in the league. Maybe behind Golden State, one or two. But it's definitely top two or three yeah. rosters in the league. Oh, yeah. Top six, okay? Here's the advantage the Clippers had going to that series. Because the first round series, are, you know, between games are like multiple days off, you can afford to take, you can afford to play Chris Paul and Baker for 40 plus minutes a game because they're getting two, three days off between games. Okay? That becomes an issue once you get to the second round and beyond. And that rears, that, that really rears ugly head in Game Seven, if you, I don't know if you pay attention to Blake Griffin on Game Seven. He looked tired. Like, hey, I, I still want to know why, why didn't Glenn, why didn't Big Baby Davis make it onto the court? You're talking about a guy who gets under the skin of everybody, and you have two guys in Josh Smith and Dwight Howard that are loose cannons, and yet you don't put him on the floor except for in garbage time at the end. It made no um, sense to me, and he played great. Yeah, he picked him so. up for a reason. Yeah, and the thing is, though, anything, he played well. He played well in the, in the San Antonio series. Yeah. But baby, he played well in that series, too. It was like he didn't play, he didn't play well. He played very well in the, in, in the San Antonio series. Gave energy off the bench. You know, he was he made, he made shots when he needed to make, make big buckets and stuff. I mean, to me, GM Doc let, let down Coach Doc. And he's now put Coach Doc on, on, on not on the hot seat, but he's put Coach Doc in, in a situation now where we now have to have to reassess how we how we talk about him now, and it's ridiculous. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. I, <laughs> I, 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 I thought I lost you. 
I, I just didn't have a comeback. I mean, you're right on that. I mean, that's exactly the problem there. But like I said, I, I, maybe maybe you're in gear five with Doc Rivers being overrated. I'm going to get a three and a half, four. I think if next season they don't get the job done on this conference finals next year, yeah, let's have a conversation about Doc Rivers being overrated because to me, this is a coach that's gotten gotten by on one championship that happened seven years ago. Just saying. But Kevin right, Garnett. Come on. I don't know. I he stayed in the league for practically 10 years after, what, one trip to the Western Conference Finals with Omari and Steve Nash? Yep, Sean Marion. Yeah, I mean, all you if you have one great year that just sticks in people's minds, then you're good for the next 10 years as a coach. Yeah. Like a, it's like my Tom Coughlin. As long as you're known theory. as a player, coach. Is that my Tom Coughlin theory? Like Thibodeau, I believe Thibodeau, if he runs his players the wrong way at his next job, he may be out of a job. Oh, he's done in Chicago. Did you hear the new story that came out yesterday? Um, the Bulls are, locked, are, are not moving him yet because they want all the other jobs to fill up first before they let him go. That's like they don't know, screw him over. I mean, yeah. Tell me there's a team that's not, that's not like, dysfunctional right now, the Bulls. No, what it reminds me of is the old Jordan Bulls days at the end with Krauss. Mm-hmm. You know, where they, they were getting at each other's throats. Yeah, him and Phil Jackson and Jordan, those guys, yeah. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> I remember those days. Um, <laughs> that's, that's some fun days. Um, did you, uh, well... What kind of chance are getting Cleveland in the finals as Golden State? I mean, yeah, they're going to play Golden State. We, we all know that. That, that's, that. That series is ending tonight, game five. All right. Unless Kyrie Irving miraculously becomes 100% for every game in the finals, I don't know if Cleveland can do more than win one game. Really? And one game? Yeah. I- <clears throat> Do you remember what happened to LeBron when he would play the Spurs in the yeah. finals? Mm-hmm. It wasn't pretty. Well, uh, my, my... He got one lucky thing against the Spurs because of Ray Allen. Otherwise, he, you know, over he'd three. end up being over 3 And Ring. Golden State did the same thing. They passed the ball. And Cleveland, they're going to get stuck where Kyrie Irving, if he's only 90%, being ball dominant, and LeBron being ball dominant. Here's my, uh, my thing. Um, when, when, Cle- when Golden State, this is after game three, when Curry went absolutely bonkers against the Rockets in game three. Yeah. Um, I came away from that game saying that it doesn't matter who they play out east. They're going to crush whoever in the east. I, to me, Golden State is kind of like oh, San yeah. Antonio. Golden State to me is like San Antonio on steroids last year. Absolutely. Okay. Now, if you saw San Antonio during the playoffs, they looked like they were already on steroids. Mm-hmm. They were unbelievable during the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, my thing is, though, I, I'm kind of resistant about, about doubting LeBron and those guys. I got to be honest with you. LeBron and what he's doing, with the, I, I know it's Atlanta and a broken Atlanta team. But what he's been doing with his, these, this team for the last, like, six games, cause since, that, since the game winner he hit against Chicago in, you know, at the buzzer in game four, they haven't lost a game since. And what yeah, this team has done... But the, it also hasn't been that competitive. Right. So, so my thing is... Right. So my, show up against a team that's there. Yeah. Yeah. So my, my thing is this, though. I, ha- I have a hard time... I'm thinking goals to win the game, win the series anyway, regardless. Um, what I'm saying is, though... I'm having I'm having a little harder time now, it's like seeping doubt into LeBron James and those guys because J.R. Smith is playing way above his, le- his head. Tristan Thompson is playing way above his head. Amon um, Shumpert's all contributing well. I I don't want to just go and knee jerk it to Golden State winning it, Golden State winning it because Le- they got LeBron James and and that's still value there, man. I mean, I'm picking Golden State win the series in six oh, games, but. I'm not going to be that guy that's saying, oh, go and say it, and that's it. I'm, I'm, no, I, I think there's more context to use here when, when we talk about the series. I think the series can be a lot more competitive than people give credit for. Yeah, but if you look at games two and three by Cleveland that they won, J.R. Smith went crazy on threes. 
in game two, and then Iman Shepard went wild in the first half of the piece. Those aren't even two guys that are consistent shooters. So can you imagine giving J.R. Smith a week off to relax and go do his own thing? And imagine taking Iman Shepard out of a nice rhythm that he's got going right now? I just don't know if they're going to be able to come back during the finals with any kind of shooting rhythm, especially Jr. I think I think he could get wrapped in his head about how great he played during the Eastern Conference Finals and just completely fall flat. Hmm. I, I got Origin Six. <laughs> what you got? <laughs> Five. Only for the credit, I'm going to stick with it. I think I think Cleveland wins one game. That's it. There you have it. That's your prediction. By the way, what, what uh, are, the, I predicted the Rockets in six, so my predictions haven't gone very well. <laughs> <laughs> but I did predict them to upset LA. Hmm. As soon as I saw that collapse, I knew, I knew they were going to lose Game 7. Uh, yeah, it was kind of right in the wall of Game 6. Like, yeah, how you recover from this one? Um, but, um, what's your, uh, th- what's up with your Marlins, man? Hello, baseball. Your Marlins, your, dude, your Marlins are terrible. Like, and that's in the team, well, team's bad, too, but that front office, I oh, mean, yeah. one, it, it can't, it can't I mean, get any worse, dude. Here's what I got to say. You fire the manager and the bench coach. When our hitters are halfway decent, our offense wasn't the problem, but it was our, our relief pitching and our starting rotation. Why didn't the pitching coach get fired? You brought in Matt Latos, and he has been absolutely horrible. You brought in a co-start from Houston. He has been absolutely horrible. Fisha, he only blew three saves in 2013 and 2014 each. He blew, he blew that in the first, like, week of the season for the Marlins. Then, on top of that, every decision that the, whether it was the GM or the VP that made the decisions on who we bought in during the offseason for first base, third base, have been atrocious. We gave up who I understood you want a little more power at a corner infield spot, but the guy hit 300. He was hitting 400 up to the all-star break with runners in scoring position. Right now, we're getting Matt, Matt Pato getting, getting on base at a 300 clip. You know, he's not doing it for us, let alone Mike Morris, who is hitting 200 and is a complete joke. The guy is hitting 80 points below his career average. Everybody, if you were going to decide to fire and, fire and throw the season away, you should have fired your GM, who is now a manager, and you should have fired the VP of operations for making the horrible decisions they made. You brought back, you tried to bring in Latos, who had a dead arm and shoulder problems, hoping he would regain his form Yet his velocity was down. That was a huge indicator. And they traded for that guy. What a joke! <laughs> I'll I'll just say this much about the Marlins and, and their front office. It, to me, it's like they to me they're this they're, they're clown shoes, dude. Like to me that they 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 just can't get out their own way. That to me, it, it's just hysterical. You know, hiring a manager that's, that hasn't managed a game since he was. A, Managing a high school team back in 1986, something like that, some something to that effect. Yeah, I mean, and he, I mean, played, come on. Only, he played two, he played like a season and a half in the. Yeah, he, I mean, he come a on. Season and a half in the minors, so his baseball career ended by the time he was like 24. I'm sure when you look at the special consultants that you've hired throughout the years that are in the Marlins organization, you could have picked one of those guys who had 30, 40 years in baseball, like Andre Dawson. I mean, yeah. how did he not get chosen? You're going to choose the GM who played minor league ball for a year, but you won't choose him? And my thing, too, is this. is like, I'm not saying that, you know, um, the, you know Redmond deserve to be fired. I, what I'm saying is the fact that 
I thought at the time we got fired, they were, they, I think they were only what sixteen twenty two at the time. I thought they were still within reach of still you know do something special if they can just stay the, stay the course. I, I thought he deserved at least the rest of the year to to fix the problem or at least at least till August. You know what I mean? Um, it, I, to me, I I thought I they, 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 they reacted. Huh? I didn't think it was, I didn't think it was too quick a firing. I had no problem with Mike Redman getting fired. You could tell the team wasn't listening and he was and getting them to produce. Right. The bigger issue with the mom is who they chose to hire. I mean, you, you see it every year. They're a team that perform, so getting better on the manager, and then they start over. They fall back to earth. That's what happened with Mike Redman. He might be a good manager somewhere else in the future, but his time was up for the Marlins. Right. Um, now, the real question okay, is, if we start to take guys off before the All-Star break, is it going to be the same old Marlins where we rebuild again and no free agent wants to come and, and in three years we talk about Stanton being traded or opting out? That's a real question. Well, I already put an over. Well, I, I, I already put over under on Stanton at two years. Him been in a trade. I think he'll be he'll ask to be traded in three years. Yeah, because that's when the money will start to take in. Yeah, but. exactly, exactly. So I don't know the, the Marlins. I mean, this, this is a joke. Um, Adrian Peterson, of course. Uh, I from what we're hearing, he's demanding a trade now, uh, which I think is ridiculous. Now, why didn't you demand it publicly before? And put more pressure on the Vikings before. Um, <laughs> I find this whole thing funny though with, with AP because, like, you know, I don't know. I I, I kind of sort of side of Minnesota here a little bit with uh with with how they're treating the situation. It's more so the fact that you know, I I I just think AP comes as a little, a little bit of a whiner now. It's a bit. Absolutely, and quite frankly. I, I'm sure I've made it clear to you and anyone who I do talk to, talk to the sports, what Adrian Peterson did was way worse than what Ray Rice did. Oh, yeah. We, we, we I, know I know he's wrong in the field that way, but, dude, you got paid $13 million last year to not play a game because you went on the commissioner's exemplars. You got $13 million as a like, running back to not have to play and save your legs and get healthy. And now you're whining about how they still want to keep paying you $13 million a year to be a running back in the NFL? Dude, shut up and take well, my, my, my thing is this, though, is that he didn't say anything, he didn't say anything about it before the, before the draft, you know, which normally would have been the best time to make a trade, you know, during draft time, you know. And now all of a sudden, now we're now in late May, and now you want to you want you want to cry wolf? Oh, I'm gonna be traded now. You know, like come on, dude. I mean, I, now if if I'm Minnesota, obviously oh, yeah. I try to do what I can to make my team better. And if if I rather have it, I rather have a non disgruntled person on my team and get value for it back. He still has value. He still has value to another team. The problem is, is does anyone want, does any team want to take on his twelve million dollars a year? And by the way, that yeah. contract escalates every year for the next couple of years. Oh, yeah, but I'm not sure that the, the Vikings owner, Diggy Will, yeah. is the kind of guy who who will cave into the demand. I think he's ready to say, and what I just, the way I just said it is, we paid you $13 million last year. We're willing to pay you. You either show up or you'll get suspended by the team for not showing up, and we get to save our money this year. Right. I think they're willing to try and call his bluff and essentially suspend them for not showing up. They have all money. They, 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 have all, they have all the leverage. And, you know, while he's been in the news, the year before, back in 13, they had that situation where they were getting sued by a former kicker for, you know, being, being cut from the team for his political views, and that went there's a lot of the court system up there in Minnesota. So they've had bad press for a couple of years. I think I think the owner's going to say, enough's enough. I'm paying a fortune for you guys, and you're going to have to suck it up and live with it. 
Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I I tend to side with them. But I will say for Minnesota, though, and if, if, if this is uglier, and if there are teams out there willing to give up draft picks and whatnot for, for him, and yeah, knowing, that, knowing that will help Minnesota in the future, especially when you, you know, you're going towards the future with a new quarterback and whatnot, I think you, you just get rid of him and be gone with it. Well, I, and they're one of those teams that's real close to having as much negative in, image impact on the NFL as possibly the Patriots. So they they had that uh, boat incident back when Randy Moss and them were there. They had the uh, drug test that went went to the federal court with players. They have year after year had issues. So. I don't know how much more they want to cave the players. Hmm. Let's go quickly. Your thoughts on the Ray McDonald story? He you know, obviously had a history, a past with the San Francisco 49ers of uh, domestic violence. Uh, was cleared of that originally. Now we have a report. Now him, you know, being uh, uh, accused of uh, of uh, another another incident. Um, the Bears smartly cut him <laughs> right after they found about it. Um, my only uh, issue I had, I think, with this whole storyline is the fact that there are people out there now in the media and fans alike that want to penalize the Bears, you know, draft picks because of signing this guy, which I think is stupid and extreme, to be honest. This is me, though. Your thoughts? Hey, I don't mind it. Honestly, you take a seven-pounder, I have no problem with that. That's you crazy, man. Zach, 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 that's crazy, though. That's crazy. Crazy. Alright, he was at the party when Alex Smith shot guys, right? He was, he had been accused of assaulting his pregnant girlfriend who, in the end, chose not to show up to court. And that's what my issue is with this, is the NFL wanted to suspend Tom Brady for the four games when they have no actual proof that she did. They have circumstantial, but they had no hardcore proof for four games. Now, when cops show up to a domestic, they take pictures. They had the proof that she had been beaten. Right. Now, she may have chose not to go to the to press charges, but the NFL and the teams could have seen what he had done. They choose not to. So, honestly, I don't have a problem with you taking a draft pick who couldn't even make it through the offseason. Right. Remember, he was the, as soon as Roger Goodell raised the punishment, it wasn't even a week. And he was getting busted. Actually, I think it was, what, two days after the stiffer punishments came into place? He got arrested for the domestics? Right, some of that, yeah. Close, close, close enough to it. Close enough was effective, yeah. But, honestly, I, I have no problem with teams having to take blame for that and losing a pick or having to pay a fine. You got a player that you chose to take a risk on when you knew his bad history. And he couldn't even make it through the season, not even to the start of the season. Now, maybe if he'd have made a season and then got in trouble, it might have not been on the Bears so much. But yeah, the sexual thought that he's trying to counter to, same thing James Winston's trying to do, and same thing every other professional athlete does, just like Cody Bryant. I, you know, dude bought a, what, $4 million ring for his wife. He had tried to sue the girl who claimed she, he, he raped her. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, everybody does it because they would rather drag the victim to, to the court system and embarrass them than admit guilt. I mean, you raise a good point there. I, so think, the, 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 I think the compelling the team is, is least, kind of extreme there a little bit. How, what do you mean? What, what is extreme about that? I, I don't know. I, I just think that, you know, we're, I mean, we're a country that gets second chances, third chances anyway. I think if you want to penalize anybody, you, you, I mean, if you want to ban a player from, from not being in the league, I mean, the, 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 the well, NFL, hold on, like, hold on, hold on. You are getting a chance. You got the chance. If you get fired from your job, you can go look for any other job, right, Ernest? You right. can go look for another job anywhere they want. Now, they may not get the same paying job mm-hmm. of a million dollars a game. You know, but they can still go find work. They're not being denied work. Right. So you lost your privilege to play in the NFL. Hey, Canada's got a team. Hey, you can go be a coach. Hey, you can go flip burgers. You know, 
We're not denying the work. I mean, you make a, you make, you, like, you make a great argument there. I'm not, not going to say you're wrong for this. This is actually more of an opinion. And you make a great argument about that. I'm just saying it's a bit extreme. Um, you penalize the individual team for signing the guy. When, in fact, it's the guy that... I don't know. I, I guess I'm more of a guy that puts put responsibility the on the player why, and, and the person. The reason why most domestic violence goes unreported or unprosecuted is because the witness chooses not to cooperate because they may get scared again or they may decide, oh, he's only going to do it once. Or, yeah, oh, I'll love Greg Hardy, right? I'll love Greg Hardy. Huh? A la Greg Hardy, pretty much. Like, same thing. Like, Greg Hardy. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, listen. They had the pictures. They had the proof. They had the statement. Even if she backs out, you could still take them to court. What happens is our court is so freaking lazy that they say, ah, oh, well, we don't have the witness. Well, hold on. We have her statement. So now, if she doesn't want to cooperate, charge her with false reporting. Force women to actually put their accuser, the people they accuse, behind bars. Right. And then you might see sexual assault drop. If people who are committing them are getting arrested and going to jail, instead of them being let off the hook to do it again? Right. No, like I said, you raise, you raise a great argument. I, I'm not going to lie about that. Um, but something to something definitely talk about in the future. I, I think something we should discuss over the summer. That's. That thing where, you know, you have all kinds of super minimal mandatory sentences for you even write, little bit of marijuana. You should write a blog about that. You, you, should, you should actually write, write a blog about that. You teach your a pregnant girlfriend and you get anger management class. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Because our prosecution wants to be lazy and not take people to, to trial. I will say this, though. I, I do support Roger Goodell's... Uh, uh, you know, no tolerance policy on domestic violence. I mean, it's, well, it's long overdue, obviously, but, I mean, and this is weird coming from, coming, coming from a, a company that promotes this kind of stuff, you know, as an NFL, but at the same time, you know, there's got to be a lot more individual responsibility and, and accountability involved in this, and I think, I do think Goodell, at least in that aspect, did a great job of a uh, post-Ray Rice. I mean, it took the Ray Rice thing getting out there to to get to this point, but sometimes it takes something extreme to get to, to, get to the change you need, and I think now, with the NFL having these strict, you know, no, no zero tolerance uh, the domestic violence laws here in the NFL, I think players who value playing football and value that money and that green are going to definitely think about it twice now. And I think you'll see a less, less, uh, less Ray McDonald's in the world. I mean, Ray McDonald's probably is probably the anomaly. He's, he's probably just an idiot anyway. So um, that's that's where I just, I I, uh, I stand there. Yeah, they're moving to a more zero-tolerance policy, but if the player gets arrested for beating his girlfriend, are they going to go out and interview her and take pictures to see if she was bruised and then actually follow up and do something to the player? Or are they going to wait for the court system and to drag their feet? Well, that's 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 another argument. And then maybe she'll drop the star. So the guy who beat his girlfriend, the player who beat his girlfriend, won't do any suspension, but the kid who failed the drug test, he'll, mm-hmm. get, he'll lose one game, two games, four right. games. Well, hold on. He's not getting to wait a month to do another drug test and have it change and be like, oh, see, y'all screwed up. He doesn't get that time. Right. So once he fails his drug test, he's, he's, he, he gets suspended. So how about when the cops get called for you doing a domestic, the NFL shows up and takes pictures, and if they're losing on the woman, you're going to be suspended, not wait for the court system. We'll see. I mean, it's, it's definitely, this is definitely an ongoing topic, and it's, it's never going to end. Um, definitely something to discuss. Anyway, Zach, it's awesome as always, man. Oh, man, it's the best time of the day. Thank you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great job, man. <laughs>
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.